Good day, everyone, and welcome to the John White Project. I am your host, John White. Surprise! Well, I told you I would be doing a podcast every two weeks, and of course, I've been late on that. Um, stuff has been happening, so I will tell you about my doctor's appointment that I had. Um, from everything that I had been told, it was going to be a doctor's appointment. So I was going to be talking to, you know, the doctor. Turned out to be a psychiatrist. So that was, that was interesting. Um, again, it was uh, a work, I guess, a- appointment. They had been curious about my diagnosis, my, uh, my rehabilitation, what was going on, why I was missing so many days. So I spoke with the psychiatrist. I was on the a Zoom call with him probably for about an hour and a half. Nice gentleman uh, from Hamilton, Ontario, uh, about a two-hour car ride. I could have done a uh, in-session with him, but that would have been like four hours traveling, and I really didn't feel like doing that, So, especially for about an hour and a half. So, yeah, we, we talked, and I had spoken to a psychiatrist before uh, when I was going through all the uh, anxiety and depression and things like that. Um, but this psychiatrist, boy, the questions he was asking were, you know, really well, interesting, uh, I guess, from a, a layperson's point of view. He, he asked me where I was born. Uh, he asked me how I was born, whether it was a natural or whether it was a C-section asked me if my parents were still together, how was my relationship with them, if they were both still alive. Um, uh, Yeah, my relationship with each of them individually, um, where I grew up, um, how I felt about the cancer diagnosis. I walked through, you know, the whole diagnosis thing, Um, the surgery, the hormone therapy, the radiation therapy. We talked a lot about the whole lockdown, um, the COVID lockdown, um, the the two years of pretty much being told we're all going to die. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, We we mostly concentrated, like I said, on how I was coping with the lockdown scenario, uh, the fact that I that I couldn't quite do the twelve hour shifts. Uh, the twelve-hour rotating shifts at my work. Um, he asked when I was diagnosed with the anxiety. Um, we we talked about some of that. He asked about my regular day at work. Um, I had to, you know, give him a detailed account uh, from basically when the alarm went off in the morning to me getting back into bed. Now I told him a normal day would have been, you know, the alarm goes off, you hit snooze twice, you get up, you go for a shower, um, you know, pour your coffee, have your breakfast, down my pills. Um, I told him I always, you know, make sure I pour my wife's coffee um, because that's what good husbands do, apparently. That's what I've been told. Uh, (laughs) And, um, you know, kiss her goodbye, drive to work, do my eight hours, uh, come home, play with the dog, my my son's dog. yeah, have dinner, sit, you know, read, play on my tablet for a little bit, go to bed, listen to 
you know, a podcast or something like that, and then go to bed and then start the whole thing all over again. But then I told him also that sometimes, you know, when the alarm went off, you'd hit the snooze two or three or four times, fight the urge to stay in bed as long as you can and try and get up. Now, there were days when I couldn't get out of bed. There were days when I got out of bed and went for a shower, got dressed, put my lunch, you know, everything ready to go to work, got to the front door, and it was like I couldn't... (laughs) Look who didn't put his phone on silent. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. That was just my reminder to uh, take my afternoon pills. If I don't take my, if I don't set a reminder, I end up skipping them and it's, yeah, it's not good. Okay. So I, again, going back to, I would, I would get up, have my shower, get dressed, put my lunch together, get to the front door. And it was like fear was squeezing my body, all the air out of my body. And for, for no reason. I mean, I, I was, I, I like my work you know, for as much as anyone can like their work. I like the people that I work with. I mean, we don't hang out or anything like that, but sometimes they're like, like everybody, like family. Sometimes they're a joy to hang out with. Sometimes not so much. So, you know, um, I told him about that. I told him there's been a few times where I was driving to work and I just had this huge anxiety attack where my heart would start racing. You know, it would feel this crushing pressure on my chest. Uh, For those of you who don't suffer from anxiety or just get a little anxious every now and then, yeah, it gets way worse than that. So I, I, yeah, it's, it's like being squeezed between two walls. It's almost like, okay, here we go, geeking out. Like the scene in Star Wars where the, the, the garbage crusher is coming in and, you know, it, it's it's squishing you. That's, that's what it feels like. Although in my case, it, it felt like a big hand was coming around me and just squeezing the life out of me. Although there was no reason for it. It was just, I didn't want to get out or I didn't want to go to work or fear of the unknown and yeah and that is why I am on antidepressant pills along with a slew of other medications that come along with uh, anxiety diabetes high blood pressure (laughs) and cholesterol Uh, next week's uh, podcast will deal with my (laughs) with my latest ailment Yeah, we're calling that one the one I love. You'll get it next podcast. You'll you'll totally get it. So um, I was on the phone, like I say, for about an hour and a half with him. It was a good conversation. Um, Then he said, uh, "Okay, we'll um, we'll call it here, and I will do my report. I'll have my report in within a couple of days." Now, that was probably three three weeks ago, maybe even a little longer. Uh, I still haven't heard back from work, but mind you, I have been off the entire month of April. Again, next week's or next podcast's episode. Um, yeah, and, and then I look back and I think, man, it's been a wild five years and it, it has been 
five years. 2018 diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer. 2018 operated on for prostate cancer. 2019 operation wasn't as successful as we were hoping for. 2019, mid 2019, uh, start of hormone therapy. Uh, now that was Lupron, not to be confused with the Lupron that is a hormone blocker for this weird transgender switching surgery. Uh, this actually stops the testosterone in a man's body uh, in order for the cancer not to eat it. So basically you're starving the cancer of its favorite food, which is testosterone. Uh, the end of 2019 started radiation therapy. Beginning of 2020 ended radiation therapy, walked into um, a two-year shutdown for the COVID and uh, a whole bunch of other things. So that's when my anxiety and depression started. Um, to flare up and I guess probably almost at the end of 2020 is when I was clinically diagnosed with um, the anxiety and the depression. Of course, that was an entire year's worth of news telling us, you know, every day reporting on how many people had died uh, per province, per country. Yeah, uh, and the government telling us we needed to get that uh, vaccination um, to stop us from getting COVID, which we all know now that that was a lie, but I'm going to put my tinfoil hat back on and just move on. Um, so yeah, the end of 2021, I was off for uh, three months with uh, anxiety and depression. Um, I guess the first quarter of 2022 had a couple of weeks off for anxiety and depression. Uh, went back to work. Everybody thought I was okay to go back to work. Um, physically, I'm. my wife likes to say I've got one switch. It's either on or off. There's no speed control on that. So I'm either all in or I'm all out, um, which caused some issues at work because sometimes there's a lot of physical work being done at work. Um, for those of you who don't know, I work at a pharmaceutical company. Most of the times I'm doing paperwork or, you know, smaller manual work. And other times there are, you know, major lifting, you know, to, to be done. Um, you know, um, I would usually work four out of five days, sometimes three out of five days, depending on what I was doing. I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm all in or I'm, I'm not in at all. So yeah, me being a big guy, I'd be lifting and, and it wouldn't affect me. You know, I, I wouldn't feel tired that night. I would come home and just be a regular night. But in the morning, it would be, you know, I can't get out of bed. You know, I was just that exhausted. Um, and and it, 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 there was a difference between the anxiety ridden, I can't get out of bed as opposed to the, holy crap, I am so exhausted, my legs won't work. Again, I had the testosterone in me, which I had to be reminded of continually that I can't do what I normally once did all the time. I had to pace myself. And that was really, that is still difficult for me to do right now. 
Uh, it did get a little better, but of course, you know, um, when the doctor's note came back and said that, yeah, yeah, John is is ready to go back to work. He's, you know, he, he can do everything that he did before, you know, except for, you know, not lifting, you know, the, the 45, 50 kgs, try and keep it down. So I went back to work. Um, you know, a couple of months later, I was written up for my attendance, which, you know what, I, I can't blame him for. Um, the doctor's note said, you know, yeah, he's, he's, he's ready to go back. He's, he's ready. So that to them meant that I was a hundred percent ready to go to do what I was doing. Um, not realizing that I still had anxiety or testosterone blockers still in my system. So I got a letter from my doctor that said, yeah, John is, is not going to be there, you know, sometimes due to the medical condition that he's under, but, but due to the medicines, the medication that he is on. Um, so I got, I got that note and then that's when they said, you know what, maybe you're not ready to come back to work. Maybe you really need to see a doctor about that. And I tried to get a doctor from my other psych, or I tried to get a note from my, uh, the other psychiatrist that I'd seen. I've only seen him, well, actually, where they were phone calls, uh, again, of course, due to COVID. So I, I tried to get a, a letter from him and I waited and waited like three, almost four months. So that's how the company came around to getting an independent psychiatrist for me to see. So like I said, it was it was an interesting conversation. I still don't have the results back. I'm 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 really curious as to what he said whether yeah, cuz I still do have the testosterone blockers in my system. Um although the 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 PSA test, the prostate specific antigen test uh, that please, men, if it's offered to you, if your doctor tells you to get it done, get it done. Um, it, in, in Ontario, it does cost you money, although I don't understand why. If it's a cancer test, then it should be automatically free, but don't get me started on that. It's maybe 30, 30 bucks or something like that. Um, it, it's funny. I'm, I'm going to interrupt my story with another story. I was at a... Um, at a, a clinic where I was getting actually the PSA test done and um, I was I was waiting my turn to get the blood taken and all it is is a blood test you don't have to fast forward or anything like that it's just you go in stick out your arm they take a vial of blood it's only one vial of blood so it's not like Dracula fest um, so as I say I was sitting there waiting uh, and a guy came up to the counter and the lady said, okay, um, everything is, is good, but you're going to have to pay for this blood test. It's not covered under the Ontario hospital plan. And he said, you know what, I'll, you know, what's it for? And the lady said, it's a PSA test for prostate cancer. And he said, no, I, I forget it. I stepped up and I said, uh, you know, I don't know you, um, but I will gladly pay for that test for you. I am here because that test revealed to me that I had prostate cancer. Uh, it can't tell you how far along you are, but I will pay for your test in order for you to get it. He looked at me with a dumbfounded look on his face, 
didn't say thank you, just turned back around to the lady and said, okay, I'll, I'll pay for that test. So I sat back down, he got his test. I don't know what happened, but I was more than willing to pay for somebody else's test. Um, hey, fellow, fellow man, right? You gotta, you gotta love everybody and going through it. Um, I would prefer that nobody else would go through that. Um, and like I've said many times in the podcast before, it changed within a year for me. My PSA levels were at 4%. Uh, I went back for my regular physical and gentlemen, please at the age of 50, if you don't go for physicals now at the age of 50, you need to start at 50 for a baseline so that they've got at least some numbers to compare to as you get older. Um, I got in, started for 4% PSA, again, 4%, 4%, and then it went up to 8 which, which really in, in the scheme of things, it's doubled, but it's not a high number. There, there are some people with like PSA numbers that are like incredibly high. It's, it's different for each person. Again, gentlemen, that's why you need a baseline. There is no average on this at all. Um, young people are getting prostate cancer at like 30 and 35 and, and they're entering into prostate cancer at stage three and sometimes stage four, which is like absolutely ridiculous. So again, I'm going to preach this one till the cows come home. Yearly checkups. If you're not doing it before 50, please start at 50. Get the PSA test done. The doctor, again, looked at mine and went, oh, that's kind of unusual. Sent me for another PSA test. Um, we had to wait three months, but th- th- apparently that's what they do. They wait three months. Three months, came back the same, sent me to a uh, urologist, a specialist. Of course, he gave me the paper for, again, the PSA test. Now, once your PSA test comes back and there is a different reading, it's covered. You, you don't have to pay for it anymore. It's, it's all paid for by the government at this point. So I went and got that done. For, this is for those of you who haven't heard all my podcasts prior to this. Um, I got it done. The, you know, the, the urologist said, you know, the PSA test is, is the easy part. You don't want to go through the biopsy. That's just kind of annoying and a little bit sore. So I got my PSA test done again, and it had gone up to about 8.2 or 8.3 at that point. So it, there was, this was, I guess, over a nine month period from the original eight that I had. Um, went to the urologist. He basically said, yeah, you know what? Uh, Remember when I told you about the biopsy not being pleasant? We got to go for a biopsy. So went for the biopsy. Uh, It was classified as um, two, level two. So that means the, um, the cancer was all contained in my prostate. Now, for those of you who don't know, a prostate is usually about the size of a walnut. When they do enlarge, you can get them up to the size of a grapefruit or even a pineapple. Yeah, that would be uncomfortable. So that's why, gentlemen, when you wake up in the middle of the night, um, you might have prostate issues. If you're having issues starting urinating, you might have problems uh, with your prostate. If you have problems with the flow, if it's not like a fire hose, 
you might have prostate issues. So that's something else to keep in mind. Sorry for that. I hope I didn't gross anybody out. But gentlemen, um, you know, you got to take care of ourselves. If we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't advocate for ourselves, no one else will. Your wife can only do so much for you and then it's really up to you. Or your mom's can only do so much for you and then it's really up to you. Um, so yeah, went in, got the biopsy, um, level two. By the time I got operated on, it was breaching my prostate. So it was, you know, going out a little more. So they took a little more extra out of me. Uh, I like to say they, they took the ice cream scoop and, and took two scoops out instead of the one that they were going in for. Um, and again, not as successful as we'd hoped. So, and that, you know what, uh, my urologist and the, um, you know, my specialist for the cancer, uh, they're all like, wow, we've, we've never had anybody that, that has suffered so much mentally through this process than we have with you. And my wife being the absolute shining star that she is said, you've never had anybody go through a pandemic before either. So yeah, although gentlemen, again, your wives can do tons of stuff for you, but you have to advocate for yourself at, at a certain point. So all that to say that I am still waiting on the psychiatrist report and I will definitely let everybody know what the psychiatrist's report says and how much trouble I am at, am at work if the psychiatrist report says, yeah, he's fine, he's faking it. And honest, I am not faking it. I have... I have not gone out anywhere, really, in almost two years. I went to Monroe Stock because I was just itching to play. I have played outdoor festivals only one day where it takes two hours out of my time. I don't spend a lot of time beforehand. I don't spend a lot of time afterwards with the guys in the band or the people on the ground. It still kind of freaks me out with people. Um... Christmas shopping, uh, I had to do most of it, you know, when the malls open, and that was probably in October, just so I wouldn't feel like there was too many people, or as I like to say, too people-y outside. I used to go to uh, all my friends' bands, you know, I, we'd go see them play, they'd have me up on stage to sing. No, it, it, it wasn't even a matter of I can't get out, it was a matter of I really didn't want to. And it wasn't because I didn't want to go rock out with the bands. because I didn't want to go out with the people. I was afraid of the crowded areas. Yeah. You know, even friends were inviting me out to, like, the patios for beers and stuff like that. You know, and it was just one-on-one. Now, that was even hard to do as well. Just being outside of my comfort zone, which is my little house out in Holland Landing. Yeah, I'm getting better. I can feel it. I can feel my strength coming back. Um, the doctor, the last PSA. Oh yeah, that's another thing. The last PSA test uh, we were doing every three months. This next one uh, is every six months. So I just did my blood work for that on Friday. Although that will be nothing to you because this probably won't come out until Sunday afternoon. Uh, so I, I did my blood work and I will let you guys know about the blood work being done about that. So 
Yeah. So my before that, it came back with the um, the PSA as non-existent. They couldn't detect anything. That is what we want. Uh, is st- as soon as that starts being detected, that means the cancers come back. Um, so my testosterone levels were existent um, because of the Lupron is now leaving my system, which is good because that will give me my strength back. But they were on the low end of normal. So I said that that's a good thing, but it's still, I said, how low on the low end of normal? They, they couldn't really tell me what low end kind of meant. Um, I just knew I wasn't full strength or, you know, full steam ahead kind of thing. So yeah, we'll have to see on that. I'm feeling pretty good. I felt pretty good about the uh, psychiatrist and I will let you know about the uh, PSA levels. Yeah, exciting stuff, eh? The John White Project. This is my life. Oh, yeah. I want to thank everybody. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening uh, who have stuck by for, uh, I guess, the last two, two years, three years that I've been podcasting about this. Yeah, it's different. But this is the... Uh, episode the first episode of season three so there you go Uh, i've made it to three seasons i think we're up 28 or 29 episodes so i'm I'm kind of excited about that i will just keep going um until i run out of things to say or you know the world stops being interesting oh i got a whole lot of stuff about to say about the world but i'll talk about that when i'm feeling more uh, mentally screwed on i guess we could say Well, that's it for me and this episode. I meant to make this one about a 10-minute episode, and uh, yeah, it went a bit longer than I thought. But it's good to get it out, and it helps me to get it out. And gentlemen, if it helps you to hear a story about how to take care of yourself, that's what I'm all about. If you are of African descent or Asian descent, if you're black or brown, you might want to get your PSA tested a little earlier. I don't know what it is, but every book that I've read and every doctor that uh, I've talked to said that you are at a higher risk of prostate cancer than the Caucasian men. So I don't know if it's your diet or whether it's the atmosphere or the chemicals in the air or where you live. I know this podcast is heard worldwide because I can see all of where you're listening from. So please go out and get tested. Uh, If it costs money, it is well worth it. And again, it is worth it to have that baseline. If you're at 40, ask your doctor. The doctor will say you don't really need it. You can tell them, you know what, I'd like to establish a baseline. Or if there is prostate cancer or any type of cancer, if your mother has breast cancer, get tested for prostate cancer. Apparently there is a correlation between sons of mothers who have breast cancer found that interesting. They don't know why, but as they do more research on the uh, prostate cancer and the breast cancer, they're finding that there is a gene similarity there. So yeah, there you go. Look, you're learning all kinds of stuff from the John White Project. All right, everybody. I am John. I'm going to say good night or good morning or good afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. Thanks for hanging out with me. God bless everyone. This is John from the John White Project saying I'll see you next time.